0: Next up on Innovation Bytes, we have Professor Barry O'Sullivan from the Insight Science Foundation Ireland Centre for Data Analytics in University College Cork. Barry, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. (laughs) Barry, for our audience, was one of the early guests on the show when it started seven years ago. So it's great to have you back on the show, Barry. And it's a lot of water under the bridge. (laughs) One of the really interesting things that happened. I, I spotted an article and I really wanted to share it it's based on Ireland and in Europe in particular, but it affects everyone. And there's so much in this article that is so important for regulation, for European Union for legal professions. And I always say, one of the biggest challenges is the experts don't work in those areas, the experts often work in academia. They often work in the big AI companies, and they're not in the regulation elements, and that is a real threat. So maybe we'll share that, perhaps, as a starting block, and then we'll tell our audience what we're here to talk about.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, um, Aidan. A lot of people work in the science side. They work on the commercialization side, but people don't work on the policy side or the regulation. Or if they do work on the policy or the regulation, then they're probably coming from a legal background or whatever, um which is great and everything but you don't tend to find very many technical people working in that area and i suppose this is something that um i kind of identified maybe 10 or 15 years ago something that was important to do and i've been spending a lot of time doing kind of policy stuff and it's you know it's really really interesting and it's really impactful we need more people who have expertise in different areas to come forward and work in policy and regulation it's not just something for the for the legal experts to be working on, you know, the, the people who know the domains need to be involved in the discussion too.
0: Absolutely, and and one of the things I, I always like the quote by Elon Musk. Uh, not not a popular character at the moment in in many ways, divisive character. But one of the things that he says about AI is you have to re-regulate it, pre-regulate it, because once the genie's out of the bottle, you can be in trouble. And that is absolutely one of the things we're going to talk about today. Because what we're really talking about stems back to Barry, you're gonna call me an absolute nerd here. but <laughs> I, I used to read the sci fi and one of the great sci fi writers was Philip K. Dick. And he wrote a book called Minority Report that became the movie starring Tom Cruise and our own Colin Farrell here in Ireland. And it, it's a brilliant movie, but it, it has so many elements of one of the issues that you had spotted at the moment. And I thought I'd start off with a little quote that I pulled from it's only a 40 page short story by Philip K. Dick, I'm not going to read all 40 pages, (laughs) because this is an innovation bite. But here's a little excerpt. He said in the book, this is the main character, which is Tom Cruise's character, a guy called Anderton, who's the main character, who's the protagonist in the movie. And he said, you've probably grasped the basic legalistic drawback to pre crime methodology. We're taking in individuals who have broken no law, we claim they're culpable. They, on the other hand, eternally claim they're innocent. And in a sense, they are innocent. That line is one thing. And then the second is the basic plot here is that this character is tagged, that he's going to commit a crime in the future. So he's arrested before he commits that crime. So it's prevention's better than cure. But there's three precogs, these precognitive entities, these, are, these are humans. And two of them Say that he's guilty. One of them says that he's not. Hence, the idea minority report, and that is something that is happening in real life today. If we use AI for for crime prevention, and maybe you'll take it from there, Barry.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, there's a there's a there's a lot in that. Um, I suppose uh, AI has been used a lot in sort of policing and justice type settings. Um, for example, in the u s you know people have heard of the compass system, so the compass system is a system that helps judges make parole decisions and of course, there's been um and it does that using historical data of um whether particular kinds of people have reoffended or not you know so to what extent have they reoffended and you know to what extent um they should be given the benefit of the doubt when it comes to parole decision making um and there's lots of evidence that that, that that system is racially biased, for example. And um of course there's some evidence that it isn't. Um and that's that's part of, that's part of the difficulty, you know, what does it what does it mean? But the but the problem is that um uh AI systems always make mistakes, um and so you know if you're an African American and you're being disadvantaged by the system, that's a that's a serious thing. Um but even when these systems are um are even if they are accurate, even if you could perfectly predict the future, the question is whether whether you can whether you can or should use that information, um, and and uh, you know this is the complex sort of interface between sort of artificial intelligence one side and ethics on the other, and you know what's the what's the right thing to do, um, like at the moment one of the things that's, one of the discussions going on in Ireland is, is whether facial recognition technology should be used for policing. And so um, there's some legislation that's been drafted that's, you know, championed by the current Minister of Justice, Helen McAtee, and they want... So essentially, the idea is that as part of this Garda Recording Bill, that facial recognition technology could be used in policing. And so people might sort of say, well, you know, if you can build... You know, facial recognition seems to be good technology. I open my phone with it, you know, for example. And... Um, if I if I have a fancy car, one a, a very modern car, you've probably got um, in cabin monitoring that sort of tells you if you have been drowsy or, you know, if you're if you're falling asleep or you know um, uh, this kind of thing, which is helpful, um, and you know sometimes uh, you know if you're in some airports, some airports allow you now to opt to board or to identify yourself with your face, for example, and that all seems okay, um, but the problem with um, the problem with some of these technologies is what happens when people don't get to consent? So, for example, in China, AI systems are used as part of this mass social scoring um, uh, system that they have there. So, you know, based on your behavior and so on, you're given a score, sort a very black mirror, but it, it is in use. Um, and so in the Irish context, the question is whether, you know, whether facial recognition should be used or not. Um, and so what does that mean? It might mean that, you know, cameras on the street... As people walk around, it's identifying maybe what people are doing, who they are, um, and it might be, well, you know, there's Aiden on Grafton Street, so, you know, we need to get a car over here quick because he's, be, he's going to get messy. Um, and of course, you're just sort of standing outside of mind your own business. <laughs> so the, um, and of course, it might not be, it might not be someone who's a, who's a criminal at all. Um, and of course, fortunately, uh, most people are not troublemakers, they're not criminals, and so you have to weigh up the benefits of these systems versus the risks. And this is where the ethics comes into play. And I guess the, one of the reasons why facial recognition and policing is so controversial is that the big question is whether the impact of the use of that technology on streets impacts innocent people disproportionately. And so what does that mean? You know, if you knew that that camera was on Grafton Street and it was recognizing your face, you might always say, well, you know, you might say to your friends, actually, you know what, we won't we won't meet outside Bewley's. Let's go over to Eddie Rockets instead because we know there's no cameras over there. And not that not that we've anything to hide, but we just don't like the idea of being watched. You know, we just don't like that kind of thing. And so there, you know, your privacy is impacted, your agency, your autonomy is impacted. And so um and while these systems might be able to detect criminals, you know, you as an innocent person, you know, it's affect your changing your behaviour because the technology is there. And it's it's regarded as unethical to do that kind of thing because the balance the the, the, the good does not outweigh the, the, the sort of impact and now it, it, of course it remains to be seen what happens in Ireland you know whether you know you might say well hold on a second I could use facial recognition to um, offline so I could go into you know I could go to Dublin City Council and ask them can I have the recording can I have that CCTV please and then can I search for a person of interest uh, and again you know it's not clear that's very different from doing it live Um, and of course there's other extreme versions, you know, which might be not so problematic, you know? So here's a, here's a video clip of Grafton Street on Saturday, um, uh, Aiden is on the missing list. Can we, can we find Aiden, has Aiden been on Grafton Street? And you know, there's all of these different kind of sliding, there's a sort of sliding scale of use, but it's a, it's a really hot topic and you know, let's see what happens in Ireland. You know. I and others are kind of pushing back against this um, and pushing back, not, you know, to, I suppose, ask that we kind of go about this properly and we consult people and we evaluate the the options. But interestingly in Europe, um, by the time the new AI act comes into play, it certainly is going to be the case that um, real time remote biometric identification will be illegal. <laughs> so the, um, so you have to wonder what the hell is going on <laughs> in Ireland if we're already started working on a piece of legislation, part that might be partly out of line with uh, with with EU rules. But let's see what happens. It's a it's a very very important area. This whole question of justice and policing and AI. We need to be sort of very very careful about that.
0: I wrote an article a while back, and um, I, I wrote it. The, and I call it "The World as a Bat Computer," and it was based on. There's a scene in one of the Batman movies where just like a bat has echo location, he 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 hacks into everybody's phone in in Gotham City, and turns all their cameras on so he can triangulate and catch a criminal. And I was like, I well, that's what is happening kind of in China, because everything, there's cameras everywhere, etc. But I al- always thought about that with some of the apps, for example, in the Android Play Store, some of the apps that do facial facial recognition are being ha- are are used for nefarious reasons. So they're behind them are some Russian developers or some Chinese developers, and they're taking your your facial recognition, your your, you know, so when it's like morph your face and stuff like this. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. Like, I, I don't really subscribe to stuff like that. But I just think people need to be aware that th- those things are very possible. And when you're given when you're getting an app for free you're not you're paying with your data which now is increasingly biometric
1: yes we all want to find the missing child um, but there are exceptions to all of these regulations that allow for these sorts of things but we can't allow these types of technologies just to be introduced um, to monitor everybody um, regardless of whether they're um, sort of innocent or guilty regardless of whether they might or might not commit crimes and um, everything has to be proportionate and has to protect your fundamental rights, your new uses. And um, and that's where the the tricky stuff happens. That's where the, the, you know, this this sort of interface between ethics and AI becomes very, very challenging. And um, we have to think very, very carefully about it.
0: For people who are interested in the article, for example, it came out in the ICCL website. Maybe we'll tell people about that and where they can find it.
1: We've been doing a lot of work. um, So uh, as far as in UCD and uh, the ICCL and, um, and other academic colleagues, we've been um, talking about these things for quite some time and uh, submitting various letters and observations to the minister and so on. And um, uh, in, the last, in the last week or so, um, we've written a letter to the, to the minister for justice and uh, that's gotten some coverage in the media. And um, hopefully there'll be a way of pointing people to the, to the letter of the ICCL, ICCL website and various other things Associated with this, but it's, uh, it's something that people need to be aware of, um and don't don't be fooled by the fact that you know, yes we don't don't be fooled by the argument that, you know the police need to have every, um tool at their disposal to fight crime, because um, that that, is not quite true you know they, um you know there are protections there uh, there have to be protections there there are protections in all sorts of ways you know people can't just simply walk into your house. Um, you know, there's a there's a process for getting access to to that sort of stuff, and that's because there are protections needed for you know your own privacy, your own fundamental rights, and uh, that also that also applies in technology. And of course, fortunately, the vast majority of people are good law-abiding citizens. Fortunately, there are very very few terrorists in the world, tiny tiny number. The argument that in order to stop that very very small group, we need to surveil everybody um, and do that sort of routinely isn't acceptable. Um, And, you know, as one sort of steps away from that sort of real-time dimension, it doesn't necessarily get any cleaner from an ethics point of view. Um, So we have to sort of have that debate about, well, you know, what's the the impact of these technologies? What kind of data is there? You know, what do we store? We saw very recently, for example, um, again, the ICCL had a report um, earlier this year where they found that people who had been suspected of... um, think of uh, sexual crimes but who were found innocent. Their data was still stored in the databases that they were originally placed into when they were suspected that these databases were not sort of cleaned, you know, that these people weren't removed. And um, I don't know why that's the case. You know, it might just be that the Guardian forgot to do it whatever. But you know we have to be very very careful with the data and that's why you know um the kind of things that we've been calling for which is consulting with the european data Data protection commissioner you know irish data protection commissioner national stakeholder groups and so on just having that debate is really, really important
0: fantastic barry and it sounds like we should be looking at a majority report then, <laughs> rather than a minority report it's been a pleasure barry and thank you for joining us and the that article is on the ICCL website and ICL for those of our audience, most of your overseas audience. So I better explain that the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. And this our guest today is Professor Barry O'Sullivan from UCC. Thank you for joining us. My
1: pleasure. Thanks. Stephen.